0: Yes, welcome to Splinters. It's another edition of the best sports podcast in community radio and on the upper north shore of Sydney. You're on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at triplehfm.com.au and you can also download us at podcasts.com and Spotify and tune in and iTunes. We are at the Holy Grail, and everybody's logging on. It's iTunes, it's TuneIn, it's Spotify. We're already getting hits everywhere, and it's absolutely fantastic. Here with the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky, on this Tuesday evening, and joining me for what is really going to turn into a rant session. We thought, well, if... If the Lord Mayor is hosting a rant session of splinters, who can we get in other than Tony Dosen, who's still serving his penance for that failure to acknowledge the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership? And there was only one real candidate. There's only one real candidate when it comes to goading the Lord Mayor, His Worship, and that is the Seer, the Sage, the Myth, the Wise Man. It is Matt Mears, Your Lord Mayor. What have there I done this, this time?
1: What have I done this time? What? What? community service am I still serving that I have to be called up at this late hour on a Monday night to have to record this thing with you what have I done in this world I've I've been doing so much good but then it's just you you keep bringing me back to this and I don't know I don't understand can can
0: someone help me (laughs) get me away from (laughs) Keith Would you like? Would you like to refer to me as your worship, and therefore? But that's never well, going to happen. Well, you're the one that gave me this nickname. You're the one yeah, that you gave you're me Lord the Lord Menace, and that's the Lord, no. and I gave
1: you the Lord Men your Lord Menace because of your love of your favourite place in the whole world of Leichhardt Oval. I thought it was being nice, but it's been <laughs> turned around into this big ego thing, and it's going to your head. No one's going to call you your worship. Not even
0: Shane would call you your worship. No, I know. That was what was so depressing about last week's bench episode was even he got in on the Lord Manus crap. This is an absolute disgrace. David Burstart on our our NHL episode, he did call me your worship, and he did refer to me as Lord Mayor, which, although technically incorrect, is due respect to the position. So maybe you should just start respecting the name you've given me. Blah, blah, blah,
1: blah, blah. Your Lord Manus. Finally, Shane's seen the light. He's come over to the good side and seen you for what you are. And that's just the the, the Lord is just going to your head because you rule over some suburban ground in the middle of of Balmain territory. It's just going to your head. But Shane, the rest of the people are seeing the light. I'm still serving my ridiculous community service, but we have a podcast to do. I'm here for the fans of Splinters, so we better get going before this just turns into a Keith DePolsky hour rant on Splinters.
0: Speaking of rants, we've chosen a subject which I think is just ripe for a rant, and I know we that every. Pro- yeah, we've chosen the subject. I we ran know, it past you chose- and you agreed.
1: Yeah, because you didn't give me a chance to disagree.
0: Ah, whinge, whinge, whinge all the time. See, this, this is why nobody likes manly because they're always whinging just like you. This is unbelievable. Oh, people, people are oh, Brook unsafe, blah 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 blah. It is unsafe. Get with the time. Go back to the Suburbs. Well, go back to Lidcombe Oval, yeah, to teach you what real toughness is. But I did say that we. I did say that this is a, an episode that. or oh, careful! This is an episode that is right for a rant, and we're talking sports administration this week. Now, what we want to get to in the second half of the podcast of this show is examples of really dodgy sports administration. It can be by a governing body. It can be by a club. It can be of a junior competition, of a national competition, of a sport in general, so... We'll get to that a bit later on, but let's get really stuck into, I suppose, some of the real core issues that undermine competent sporting administration. And I'd like to start with an example, and this this isn't going into our examples in the second half, but I, I think the perfect example at the moment comes from the National Rugby League, and it comes from Chairman Peter Beattie, who had this brilliant idea of asking Laurie Nichols how he was about 20 years after Laurie Nichols actually passed away. That's how much Peter Beattie understands about rugby league. And this is where the NRL in particular, I think, go off the rails, easy, is that the, the people in charge, the commission, the CEO, the chair, they don't actually understand the game because if they did, the NRL wouldn't be putting out all the spot fires that they are at the moment. Well, first I'll introduce that why I am the guest on this show. I said
1: we are talking about sports administration. We mm-hmm. want to talk about administrating things. I am a sports administrator. I was a former secretary of the, the Manly Ringer Cricket Association. I'm still part of the Manly Ringer Cricket Administration, administration Committee. So for the only person with administration experience would actually give you a call back and be on splinters. I I have a a unique lens to have a look at some of these decisions, but from from an outsider looking into some of these ones with my sports admin experience, it looks like there's a lot of people at these sort of positions at this sort of level that, it, it doesn't seem that actual rugby league or cricket or whatever sport you're administering, that experience doesn't seem to carry over into being part of the job title or the job description when you're going in for an interview. It's about having a name. It's about having bringing something outside the box to the table. But that's not what you need. You need someone who knows the game. Half the people we deal with at the New South Wales Rugby League when we're trying to call the games on for Sunday Live it's like they're there for 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 when they're out on the tune on a Saturday night and go, "Hey, baby, I work at the New South Wales Rugby League." and blah blah blah. But they, it's, it, that's why that seems to be the the reason they want to have the job title, not to actually contribute anything to the game, not to not to be able to grow the sport or encourage participation or help community broadcasters. It's about having a pickup line when they're down
0: the pub on Saturday night, and that's not going to help anybody. There is one person at the New South Wales Rugby League who works her backside off, and she does a tremendous job under pressure. I'm not going to name names here, but... There is one person at the New South Wales Rugby League who just gets hammered from pillar to post because she just has to deal with that much crap. And I really do feel sorry for her because she does a great job when she's able to and I have all the respect in the world for her as opposed to somebody else at the New South Wales Rugby League. And every person I've spoken to is in agreement that he is basically the cause of 90% of the issues there. But in terms of the lack of understanding, that's quite appropriate given who this individual male is, and I don't think it's going to take a lot to figure out who we're referring to. But, again, we're not naming names. But the the New South Wales... come on, Keith. Well, no, I'm not going to name names because I'm sure that that individual will get upset yeah you might be chicken but at the end of the day well i I will say that if you're if we're going to name names you should be naming names given you're the cricket fan oh here we go all right well as i said i i haven't got a baggy green either like
1: like like certain other individuals in sporting administration so and if i can't if i can't have a baggy green and other people can then i'm not going to be bothered saying putting those words in my mouth putting that name
0: in my mouth well, that's fair enough then. But that that lack of real understanding that permeates down to the New South Wales Rugby League level, I mean, you look at the website and it's all origin all the time until the Canterbury Cup is kicked off. And now we're getting coverage of the Canterbury Cup now that the season's underway. There's no coverage apart from a weekly highlights package and the team lists each Tuesday of the junior reps, and that's Matthews Ball, Tashgal Cup, There's no coverage of the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. There's no Shield coverage. There's no Massey coverage. These are competitions that we make our stock in trade. Well, not necessarily the Raps, but certainly the Massey and the Shield is our stock in trade. We deal with these competitions on a weekly basis, and we get a lot of listeners out there. We know that not everybody who listens in engages via social media or lets us know when we've made an error or engages with feedback. But we know we've got a following there, and they just don't want to engage on those competitions. Why? I would argue that it's probably because when it comes to Sydney Shield and Ron Massey Cup, those sides are run basically on the smell of an oily rag, and it doesn't bring in the money, whereas State of Origin is this great big thing that brings in the money, but if you focus too much on money, you forget to focus on the grassroots and you'll end up with no elite product. Exactly right, and and that's what happens. You need those foundation
1: levels to be able to go up into these main competitions. If you don't have a Sydney Shield feeding into a Ron Massey Cup feeding into a Canterbury Cup, you're not going to have somewhere for these NRL players to go back to and, and find form or, or have a game when they, when they can't get a game in NRL. And it's a pathway. And a lot of the times, particularly in rugby league at the moment, it, it, what's at the top of the tree is what's in vogue. And that's what gets the attention. That's what gets the money. But it's the grassroots. It's the the players coming through to replace the players that are there and for the players that are there helping those players get ready, that really should be getting some kudos into the strength of, of, of how strong the top flight is, not getting that recognition. They said, that's what we do at Triple H. Yeah. Ron Massey and Sydney Shield is our bread and butter and we love we love giving some scores around the grounds of of the women 's competition, and we'll keep people updated in the other competitions as well yes we'll get out there and call a few Canterbury Cup games as well because we have north Sydney in our in our, in our caption area, and to be fair we we enjoy having to step up and call these better competitions because for us as well it's a step up in the level of that we 're calling as well. We like to test ourselves as broadcasters but at the end of the day, we know calling Asquith, Massey and, and Shield, calling Belro Shield, that's our day-to-day job, basically, when we're there for Sunday Live. And we get to see – we probably see more of these competitions than the people that work at the uh, New South Wales Rugby League in the head honto positions probably actually see them themselves. And we can tell you that, yeah, maybe they're not the best competitions. They're not the prettiest things to watch, but, boy, you get some entertainment being out at – Lionel Watts on Sunday. You got a send off there. of three sin bins, didn't you? A send off of we, three sin bins. Yeah, in two separate fights, it was it was it was on for young and old. It was WrestleMania. Kiwi Mick was going nuts. I was calling for the <laughs> WWE referees to come running down the game plank in there to try and break up the brawls. But it was it was good, fun football. I, I would I would challenge anybody out there that is a lover of grassroots rugby league to come and actually sit. At of Watts and enjoy the atmosphere there. Yeah, it's it's a park ground. It's it's one ground of four at the moment. Well, two grounds are actually getting renovated at the moment, but it's a, it's a big, wide-open field. But they have a little mini grandstand there. There's a lot of seating for for spectators to come and watch. But you can hear the the crowd come through the microphones when we're calling there. It is a very unique atmosphere. It is passionate people there watching the game. And how is that any less than going and watching Manly play? I don't think it is. If you've got that passion for your Borough Sydney Shield side, how is that any less than the passion you have for your Manly Seagulls NRL side? You make a good point in that, The shield and the
0: nasty... Yeah, I will do that, because as Lord Mayor, I am magnanimous when others around me contribute something positive, and I will acknowledge it, Uh, and I will embrace it. Okay, well, thank you, your Lord Menace. and, And there you go and ruin it. Terrible. But... You do make a good point in terms of it's no different from the NRL to the Massey to the Shield in terms of the passion. What the administrators seem to forget, though, is that they take this one-size-fits-all approach. And if you're not getting crowds immediately to the game and if you're not generating big money sponsorship, then it doesn't work because only things that generate the big money sponsorship really work. And if you're not getting people to first grade, then obviously it's not important. So it doesn't matter whether they're going to these lower grade games or not. But I don't know whether it's just the fact that Manly suck at the moment, but the atmosphere at those Bellrose games is really quite something when you've got that little stand just absolutely full and might have something to do with the fact that the patrons are usually rather well lubricated when they do start <laughs> cheering out from the grandstand. But- You're saying that no one at Brookville
1: is, or any ground or, or Campbelltown where you were, no one there was lu- well lubricated
0: either? Well, at the suburb- at these small suburban second-tier games, you can still sell full-strength beer as opposed to the NRL where you're only allowed to sell mid-strength, I think, or half-strength or light. I'm, I'm not a beer drinker, so I don't know the exact terminology. I think they call it light rather than mid-strength now, but you can still sell the full-strength stuff at the suburban grounds, and I think that might be what appeals a lot of the time because you can still have that traditional atmosphere, but... That demonstrates that if you take a one-size-fits-all approach, it's not going to work because what you get at Shield and Massey level is basically going back to the old days of if you're lined up with a with a Canterbury Cup side like Wentworth Villies and they've got teams all through the grades, then you can have an 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock kickoff, three games on a Sunday and people will turn up and they'll love it and that's not what you do at the NRL anymore. Well, they're, they're starting to bring it back in the NRL a little bit with the encouragement of
1: more Canterbury Cup games to be played before NRL. Were. You saw at Brookvale somehow they played three games there on Saturday with the jersey flag going into Canterbury Cup, going into the NRL game. I still don't know how that field took three games in one go, but it, I don't it think it did. That's did. the problem. I don't think it did. Yeah, but yeah, but as I said, they they are attempting though to bring that game day feel back, but. Still, again, it comes back to, without the coverage of these competitions yet, the, the, the passing, the, the fair-weather Manly fan, they don't have the knowledge of, well, they might have a little bit of a knowledge of Canterbury Cup, with um, with just knowing that some of the reserve players going back there, but they won't know what the Jersey Fleet competition is. So why why are they going to turn up three hours before the kickoff of the main game to watch a, an under twenties game that they have no vested interest in? This is the this is the point that we're getting at is that and I think this is what you're going back to with the no coverage on the, on the website or social media is that these days, this is how you get your audience engaged. You have those touch points with people. And that's certainly one way. And and probably one of the major ways in this, in this society these days is you have the, that intimate touch people with, with Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff like that. And that's where people get engaged and you see the good NRL clubs and even some, even going down to the, the Canterbury Cup level where they have some of the more switched on teams will have the videos with players and things like that where you, you can record an, an almost personal message to the person that's watching, encouraging them to to support the team, come out to the game. And when you have those sort of things, it does resonate with people because, as I said, there's a lot of other options out there now. There is staying at home and watching it on TV. There's a plethora of other sports that are going on at this time of year to, to be able to watch as well. So if you can engage your fan base more personally than than the rest can then that's what's going to encourage fans to come to games and support your team. That,
0: that, that's a good point you make about the the second-tier sides that actually use social media to engage, such as using videos, just like the Western Suburbs Magpies use those oh, here teamless we go. videos. And who, whoever came up with that idea really does Cha-ching. deserve a lot of credit. Cha-ching. And they're, they're, they're a really smooth operator. Cha-ching. But, um, yeah, all right, all right. I'll stop rapping myself. Um, but, uh, you're never going to stop, so don't don't make promises you can't keep. I didn't say I was going to stop forever. I said I was going to stop. <laughs> that that can be for about thirty seconds. But all right, the, the, that, that sounds more like it. Yeah, the the balance between the amateur game versus the professional game. Obviously, rugby league is derived from paying players for their services, so you can never turn around and say the rugby league is a completely amateur game, unless you're talking about the juniors and the the 15s and the 14s and the kids, but in terms of the professional attitude that they take, it's almost a case of these players that they play at almost a semi-professional standard that the fitness that they have, it's not unusual for guys to come up from the flag or maybe the Massey and spend a year in what was ISP and is now Canterbury Cup and then move on to first grade. There was even talk I know in the season preview for the Ron Massey Cup, Charlton Schaffhausen being signed up by Wentworthville to go into their Canterbury Cup squad. If injuries hit Parramatta, there's every chance he could get a call up to go and play NRL. So the fitness levels of these guys are not exactly a whole lot away from what you need in the NRL, but the way the administrators behave, you'd you'd swear you you were basically speaking Russian or Swahili in Buckingham Palace in terms of trying to get an understanding from the big end of town about what these competitions mean Exactly, you're
1: trying to run an 80 minute game like in the NRL but with guys that are, that are working full time and get to train twice a week, what, what do you? And then and then administrators are expecting an NRL athlete with minimal preparation, but without the 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 gaggle of office staff that you see in an NRL club. It's just the the fitness and, and everything and the preparation that goes into playing any sort of rugby league competition that, that is under the New South Wales Rugby League banner. It always needs, your body needs to be in the, the comp that you need. It needs to be in some sort of condition. I said, you you and me will not be going out there and playing any sort of minutes in the in the shape that we're in. I reckon I'd last two. To- I'd yeah. last an attacking
0: set and a defensive set,
1: and then no, I, right. I, I reckon I'd last three. But I'd be on the wing. Right.
0: Um, oh no! <laughs> wingers, 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 are just people who hang out with
1: footballers. Wingers aren't footballers. Oh, oh, they hang out with footballers. oh here we go. When, isn't your last position on the wing, or are they just trying to teach you, just trying to tell you something?
0: No, I, I, I was a playmaker. I played around the scrum base, usually lock or 5'8". So oh, okay. uh, the, the Lord Mayor's got the skill. All right, if you say so. Um
1: but again, the the what's what's required from these players and and what is, gets put into it is is two different things and when you want to have 40 minute halves and and match the game on the NRL and have that sort of standard we saw yesterday the, the levels of the fitness levels of players. Yes, it was a warm day to begin with. Um, March temperatures. There's, an, there's, another, there's another route we can go down with why the Sydney Shield and Ron Massey had to start so early. After last year when it started in April and it was perfect, but we all got to start on NRL first game. But that's another that's another one. I digress. But as I said, the the. It goes down to the decisions of the players and you could really see at the end of the game that the the decisions being made and the the fitness levels under fatigue were just not there that you would see in an NRL game. The decisions, the drop balls and, and all those sort of things and then you could see coaches wanting to throw things at players and whatever but they're expecting an NRL standard out of a guy that is basically training at a park football level.
0: Yeah, and the, you'll, never, you'll never get the same level of composure or skill because m- most of the time these guys are trying to put in the extras for fitness to get themselves up to scratch, so they don't have time to work on those combinations. They don't work on... The, the playmaking from December through to February and then have three trials to get it right they, they, they only really pick up a football in January, play a couple of trials in Feb maybe and then you're right into it so you're never going to get that same level of um, achievement or ability which really to me goes all, which embraces something that we can go all the way back to 1995 and talk about the, no I can't say that word, this is a family podcast, Um, let's call it Stupid League, Stupid League is what I, use another S word for it but I can't use that word on radio Stupid League when John Rebo came in and said yeah we're going to have Steve Edmed known in every household in Beijing that is complete, that is so Unrealistic. I mean, we've been in Perth for five minutes. Let's see if we can establish a footprint in Perth before we talk about Beijing. But it's these unrealistic visions of what can be achieved without a full-time staff, without full-time training that really does send things off the deep end. And this isn't just a rugby league problem. This is an an AFL problem. This is a soccer problem. This is a field hockey, ice hockey problem. This is a cricket problem. This goes everywhere in sport. Well, I
1: reckon you could probably say it's a splinters thing as well. You can. We, we're looking at six months down the track without focusing on today, and and that's what happens a lot. Like we we obviously have splinters, and we're not full time on this. We're not we're not broadcasters. This is this is something great that we love doing for our fans, hmm. but it's not something that we've trained for or we've we've we're, we're getting paid to do. Even it's just something that's a hobby to us, but. We have deluge of grandeur as well, and, and we're thinking, well, I'm thinking far ahead when we've still got lots of work to do on the current product. And I We need a merchandise line. We need a merchandise line. Oh, you mean my great Splinters t-shirt that I'm wearing right now yes. that you're so jealous of? Yeah, I want one. Well, maybe I have one for you, but if you, if uh, you, stop, if you stop being such a Lord Menace. Oh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, But I love going- good evening. Even with your face on it, it looks brilliant um, but but that 's what I mean but that 's what I think a lot of a lot of administrators get wound up in is that yes i 'm now in charge i 've got this great competition, but if we do this, we could be here in six months, so we could be there in twelve months. but what about the problems that you got today? What about the establishing a footprint in perth or making sure that all your teams are making money before you start putting in another team that you're going to have to prop up for however many years until they get their footprint it's just yeah it's the it's just the the headline grabbers it's the cuz any time you talk expansion in the nrl or any competition that's what's going to get Headlines because, oh, the NRL is going to go to Perth. The NRL is going to put another team in Queensland. They're going to put another team in New Zealand. But when you talk about, yes, uh, the, the accountants went down to the offices at Narrabeen Academy of Sport to uh, work with the accountants there to see how we could make the Manly Seagulls more solvent, mm-hmm. it's boring. It, yep. As much as it's in, it needs to be done for the game, it's not headlines. I said getting every NRL team solvent and making a profit every year should be the NRL's number one focus off the field before they want to put more teams in. That's not, that's for expansion. Relocation's a different story. If they're going to move teams because they've gotten the agreements for sponsorship and on all those sort of things that they know the teams are going to be able to be more profitable than the one that they're moving, different story. But for, to, to bring in a 17th or an 18th team without having the other 16 teams there making their own money, not asking for handouts before the NRL is going to have to spend how much more of the the much lauded TV contract in propping them up as well. It's headline grabbers. It's, it's, it's people wanting to be in the newspaper every day. It's people wanting to be on the news every day and they've worked it out that that's what it is. It's it 's the big headline grammars that that draw the attention it 's not the going through the profit and loss statement of a of a football side to see where
0: where money can be saved and we we know that if you're going into a brand-new market that is not necessarily sympathetic to the game, that you're going to have to pour in a lot of money, and that's what the AFL's had to do with the Gold Coast and GWS. But it just seems to me that the NRL doesn't have that sort of foresight or that sort of patience to do that, and they're more obsessed with trying to relocate clubs into new heartland areas, which is great, but if you really want to expand and really get the game growing, you've got to bring in new fans. But it it just seems to me that the whole idea of new fans is just something that the NRL claims it wants to engage with, but not really wanting to actually do the hard yards. But those those T-shirts that you brought in, where do we start selling them? Can we put them online? Can we put them on podcast.com?
1: I don't know. I don't know if podcast.com has a merchandise scene. Maybe we can put something up on Facebook. If there's some wanting, be some orders. If we get enough orders, we can order them in and, and do something like that. But... Maybe maybe we need to get Marco our designer back and give us a few more designs as well because I tell you this t-shirt it's looking smick. Our, it is just our logo you'll be able to see our logo on podcast.com and and iTunes and everywhere that you can download Splinters so as I said man it's just it's just absolutely great i brought one out in the office and i got it delivered to work today and i reckon i could have sold all 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 the ones here that I got picked up, I did get one. I am nice. I'm not like like his Lord Manus. I did oh. order one for everyone in the team, but I probably should have just sold your one. I reckon I would have got a good lot of money for
0: it. Well, what we might do is you and I can sit down right now and discuss our next our merchandise line for splinters. We'll discuss that oh, and and we'll we'll, we'll we'll discuss that right now and we'll tell you about the Sydney Bears, our new podcast and bench sponsor. They sponsor the bench. They sponsor splinters. Well, we we'll love the about. Sydney Bears.
1: Maybe they yeah. can put it. Maybe
0: we can get the Sydney Bears to sell it. Quite possibly, we could do that. So we'll talk about exactly what we're going to do offline, and when we're done with that, we'll come back and list some of the all-time great admin debacles that we think of, not necessarily at the elite level, but certainly at the junior level. That's next, right here on Splinters. It's time to hit the ice. Your all-about-caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 All Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Yes, welcome back to Splinters here on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at au and you can download us at podcasts.com and tune in and Spotify and iTunes. We are everywhere. Splinters is everywhere. Splinters are everywhere. Make sure you have a look before you sit down. Otherwise, you could find yourself a little bit sore with those splinters getting into you. I am the Lord Mayor, Keith Topolsky. I'm joined by the seer, the sage, the wise man, Matt Mears. You came up with some ideas about how we could make some coin in that break, Mearsie. I like where you're thinking. Well, mate, if we go to sports admin, I did used to run the Manly Seagulls uh
1: at my website store. So I've got a few things up the back of my sleeve that, uh, if the demand's there, that maybe we can have a little bit of a Splinters Clothing line or something of that description. Just watch this space. As I said, if if the demand's there. You tell us. You come back to us. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash thebench, HHH. We always love your feedback. It can be about the show. It can be about the Lord Mayor. It can be about wanting your own Splinters T-shirt. But just if you if
0: you don't tell us, we won't know. And if you've got anything that you want us to discuss or if you want certain panellists to discuss any topics, then certainly let us know as well because we're always happy to cater to the audiences and we've got a packed schedule going forward forward, but there's plenty of things that can be moved, and I know we've got, uh, we're aiming for an Australian Ice Hockey League preview, and we're looking at maybe previewing the Women's World Cup, and some things that don't really get a huge amount of coverage elsewhere, and I know that we didn't do an NRL preview on Splinters, because everybody does an NRL preview, but and we, we did a hard all women's well. premiership. Yeah, yeah, but as I said, that's
1: what Splinters is for. Splinters is for the the Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership. It's there for the people that can't listen on a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock to be able to enjoy it. The NRL competition, we covered on the bench in long form, and and it's on our main show. But as you said, it's air for everybody to see, so we this is the reason for splinters as we've said in the past is that we're here to tackle the the not so popular the ones that aren't so mainstream and and to be able to have a voice in that and have a voice for those uh for those second tier competitions for those second tier issues that that aren't so quite widespread out there in the media at the moment
0: absolutely now we we did say that we would get into in this second half some of the all-time great admin cock-ups of what we consider... We've, we've the, only got half a show to go through those? Yeah, we've only got a half show, so we're going to have to keep it very, very tight. But, Measy, something that we broke on the bench on Friday night, it, it had been put out there a couple of days, but nobody had really reported it, and we were the first ones to really make a bit of a song and dance about it, was the the abolition or the end of the Manly North's A-grade competition. There's only four teams. Baroura won't have a team after Ross Hoy uh, accepted a job as assistant to Jason Taylor at North Sydney, and Barara weren't able to get an A-grade team together. So that's pretty much it. And really, at the end of the day, well, when, when you've got a situation where you've got the the A-grade competition just disappearing into the ether, I think those that run the Junior League or maybe even the Senior Club really have to stand up and accept the responsibility here. And as I said, Scott Penn and Bob Fulton have a lot to answer for here.
1: Well, there's a lot of factors here. Well, obviously, you see with the Manly Seagulls now, they've, they've put all their development and lower grades into Blacktown workers and, and Western Sydney because basically they'll pay for it rather than the seagulls having to pay for it but making it hard now for anybody that that is on Manly in a, in a Manly area to to be able to go and and make a coin and and work their way up the grades i think Jake Pickering was probably the only Manly sort of Ron Massey player in that in that in that Blacktown Workers side last season he's now back playing with us so there's just not that that pathway anymore there's not playing in the the A grade and be able to be noticed and, and trying to get a contract with Manly. There are the people that sort of saw the writing on the wall. There are the Bellroses who play in the Sydney Shield. There was the Peninsula Seagulls. I hope Steve Woodley's out there listening. stats. He owes, stats. He, owes, he owes me a case of two is new for uh, for mentioning them. But there were the people. do get there. that anytime soon. Oh God, no! I know that, but he still <laughs> owes me one. But. They said they they saw the writing on the wall of the A grade, and it's like any any sport at that level now. They said that the the players numbers are dropping in any of these sports as a, as sure. as a rule across a lot of different sports. But they did want to bandy together and have that Peninsula Seagull side and have a representation in the the larger competitions, but. Like with a lot of associations there's the the older crew, so to speak the the probably the more vocal sort of minority even in a lot of these sporting associations that that want what was good back in the day and don't really want to see a change they don't want to um, they don't want to amalgamate or or look for greener pastures they just want everything to be back in how it was in their day and unfortunately we're in a different society now there's not everybody can play rugby league or cricket or anything on a saturday afternoon you need to be able to move and grow and and make things more accessible to when people literally just have have the time these days and it's just an unfortunate thing with the Manly Norse A grade there's just not the the people wanting to participate anymore the the, the four clubs I believe will go out and play in the ICC All-Sydney competition and that's it and no more A-grade, no more grand finals at Brookvale Oval, but at the end of the day, it does come back to some of these people that, in my opinion, once once sort of the 20 years passed and they've replaced, so to speak, as the, as the vocal minority in, in these sporting organisations, then things will be run a bit differently.
0: We talk about the Junior League in Manly struggling because of a lack of an A-grade, a Junior League entity that's already seen its A-grade competition fall over and the the teams out in that A grade competition have already been participating in the ICC for quite some time much closer to my heart in the Western Suburbs Junior League now if you were paying attention to the New South Wales Rugby League website earlier this season you would have seen that the Western Suburbs District Junior League actually went into administration and folded and has now been replaced by a new entity I believe it's something along the lines of Wests Tigers Junior Rugby League MacArthur or something along those lines so Wests Tigers have taken it over what I find ironic though is that it was was actually run into the ground by previous entities who decided to run West's Tigers. This this isn't a Balmain hatchet job. I'm not blaming Balmain here at all. This comes down to two individuals. I'm not blaming them, and I know that's rare in in terms of me glorifying Western suburbs, but I'm not going to blame Balmain for this because Balmain are blameless. because this came down to two individuals, one of whom is off coaching in the in the English Super League I think he's at Salford now in Tim Sheens deciding to take players away from Western Suburbs put them into a joint West Tigers team and then when Western Suburbs wouldn't play ball everything went to Balmain and then all of a sudden Western Suburbs got left out in the cold and he did it with the endorsement of previous CEO Stephen Humphreys, who I think has a job at uh, some airway or airline I should say now such is the the great legacy he left in rugby league and poor old Grant Mayer a guy that I know you've had a, a little bit of time dealing with Meesey, he had to come in and just clean up an absolute disaster and it's pleasing now to see that West Tigers are starting to get things back on track with the Western Suburbs juniors but I have to say to run a junior league into the ground like they did and Western Suburbs used to be a junior powerhouse to rival Penrith and now you've got Western Suburbs really from Sixteens up, struggling to see teams go regularly. It's little wonder that people lose faith in junior league administration so quickly. Well, I so said the uh,
1: junior league; they they are probably one of the, the the few junior competitions where they where they are actually getting money out of it. If you do have the players playing there, the money is coming through. And and really, it's not that hard to be running a junior league. You pay your registration, you make sure you got the grounds there, and away you go. But obviously, there's a obviously. I know, personally, and there's a lot more than that, but... I said, with with registrations and insurance and, and a lot more, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to underplay the role that those administrators play, but you do need some support out there. You do need the support of the NRL club that basically has ownership of that area to be out there, to be visible within the community, to, to, to encourage that participation, going back to what I said in the first half about being visible and, and having those touch points with, with your potential fans. And I said, if you have people coming and, and coming to to trial games or registrations or doing clinics in schools you have that NRL player coming in there it, it resonates a lot more than just having a, a, a participation officer coming in and helping you throw a few footballs so I said if, if they get the focus that they deserve and the attention that they deserve and they get the the, the the NRL club buying into it and providing the players that they need to do then something will happen I'll go back to my own experience in the manly the manly area through rugby league. I went to Beacon Hill Primary School. It is a two-minute to three-minute drive from Beacon Hill Primary School to Brookvale Oval. We had one NRL player come to our school, and this was going back to the early 90s. We had one NRL player come, even though one of our former teachers is the the ex-manly forward Ian Thompson, mind you, but we had one NRL player come to our school that I can remember, and I can remember it vividly because just, Keith, guess. Guess who was the NRL player we had? Early 90s, NRL, guess who came to our school? How early 90s are we talking about? 91,
0: 92 or... 93-94. Ninety three, ninety four, probably yeah. That probably ninety two, ninety three. Um, I'll take a punt and say Desi. But boom. Um, Vaughton was already gone. Um, I think he was there at the time. Ian Roberts. But boom. Oh, let's go one out of the box. Um, Owen Cunningham. You're not even thinking the right team, really. Really? You're two minutes from Brookvale, and Manly couldn't send a player. Nope. Oh, tell me we it was someone had, from Western Suburbs. No, we
1: had <laughs> one of our good friends at Triple H, Greg Florimo, came to our school. Really? And we had two North Sydney.
0: D- the Bears yes, are coaching North- Manly schools
1: as their development. Yes, oh we had God. Greg Florimo come to our school, and we were... Probably the second, because obviously there's Brookvale Primary School, which is across the road from Brookvale Oval. I yeah. can't imagine who they got, but we would be the second closest school to Brookvale Oval. And wow, we had Greg price. Florimo come to our school. Oh. And this was this was, what, 25 plus years ago. So now can you see the examples of what's going on in this district for rugby league? in the Manly district.
0: It's terrifying to think that of all the dramas that's happened in western suburbs with the junior league and previous West Tigers administrations having a role in that, to think that all of a sudden when you look at those problems, you think, well, at least they're still sending the players out to the schools as opposed to Manly, who left it to their their arch not even arch rivals, their biggest enemies. To have someone go and try and get those kids involved in the game, that's just scary. Moving right along, though, from Rugby League, something that is very close to your heart and very close to the sleeping pills on my bedside table, you have a big drama with the way Cricket Australia are scheduling big bash matches and the Sheffield Shield to really avoid the long form of the game, and that's filtering down to great cricket. Well, it's filtering down to all
1: levels of cricket, that the mandate is about juniors playing short form. Yes, I get that the Big Bash is a big revenue earner. You want to play it during the peak times of year, the school holidays and stuff like that, because that's when people come out and see it. That's when you can have the the opportunity to build new fans, get more people involved in the game. That's when the crowds are going to come out, particularly when you're running games every night of the week. I understand that. Don't get me wrong. But when... it filters down from Cricket Australia to Cricket New South Wales and the mandate is that now that because particularly here in Sydney we've got two big bash teams to fill and not one Sheffield Shield team that we need to identify T20 players so junior reps junior junior club games are all moving towards a shorter format more participation even in the higher age groups where said it's all about hit and giggle. Unfortunately when you still want to be the number one test team in the world, you can get kids coming up in 15, 16, 17 who've so never batted for longer than 20 overs. How are you supposed to create shield players, grade cricket players, people that can go out there and bat long innings or bowl more than four overs or five overs or whatever like that?
0: Can I just pull you, you up you on, only- on that? The, the, the idea that you, you're getting used to your 4-over stints or your 10-over stints, does that play into some of the injury problems that guys like Hazelwood and Cummins and Stark oh. are having with their back? Don't get me started on these bowling limits.
1: Back in the day, even for myself being a a park cricketer at best, the more I bowl, the better I bowl and the better I feel after it because the more you get the muscles working, you get everything conditioned, bowling's a hard thing to do. When you come through and bowl, when you come over with a delivery, nine times your body weight, and I can tell you with me, that's a lot of body weight, goes through your, for me, front left leg, front leg as you come over to bowl not a lot of people that aren't cricketers realize that it takes a big strain on your body to be able to do that with all these bowling limits and everything like that when you're growing up this is when your body gets used to all this it not like it fuses in but your bones they they grow up expecting the the soreness they 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 can adapt to that soreness they can grow and they can bind together and they can toughen up but When you limit that and you can say to kids, you have you've bowled enough today when the kids are still feeling fresh and stuff like that, when you do throw them into a longer form game, and their body's doing things that they're not used to, that's when you get injuries. Pat Cummins is the perfect example. He was 18, gotten thrown into a Sheffield Shield final, where he'd been coming off bowling limits where he could only bowl 10 to 12 overs in a day. He bowled 25 in a Shield final one day because of an injury to another New South Wales bowler. And since then, he, and I don't think he played cricket again for six months after that. Is it little wonder why? Because... We're, we're getting kids to come through with these limits and then as soon as they become professional, in quotation marks, all the limits go out the window and they're throwing them out there with a body that's not prepared.
0: Hashtag end me's rant. I'll take a note of that one. Now, one thing that has really driven me nuts and it, it applies not to me. all sports, and that's not you actually, is changing rules mid-season. Now, the NRL's yeah. done it. The AFL's done it as well. Every sport has done it. But what really irked me about one time the rules were changed mid-season was in the Group 6 Country Rugby League competition a few years ago. And a club that is getting a lot of coverage in the Sydney Shield for their continued success is the East Campbelltown Eagles. And they were the victims of this. So what happened was East Campbelltown is a western suburbs junior club. East Campbelltown juniors play in the West's district as part of the New South Wales Rugby League. East Campbelltown, the A-grade team, decided they weren't going to play in the New South Wales, so they jumped across to the Country Rugby League Group 6 competition. That starts in Mount Annan, Currens Hill, now takes in Oren Park, goes all the way down, I think, almost to Bowral. I think it cuts down at Mossvale before it goes into another competition a bit further along. But you had a situation whereby all these East Campbelltown players were registered under a points system very similar to the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield. You then had the Group 6 six administration of the time magically one weekend turn around and say oh hang on east Campbelltown is not a junior club in group six so all of a sudden all these two-point players which were being put in the east Campbelltown system were all of a sudden worth 20 points so you'd field players worth 20 points and you'd be running out a team worth 300 points when the weekly limit was 100 very similar to ron massey cup and all of a sudden east Campbelltown were basically banned from participating because they couldn't find these players who had played junior rugby league in group six because these were all western suburbs juniors how can a how can any self-respecting organisation, any self-respecting competition, have a rule change mid-season? The only exception I will grant is if you find something medical of, of medical concern, such as a concussion protocol. Change concussion protocols mid-season to protect the player's health. By all means, go nuts. But when you change the rules of the game or the match play, the way that... that sport is played or administered without medical reasons I, I just don't get it i think that is just the the peak of stupidity before the season would have begun you would have thought
1: that this would have been discussed it would have been consulted the the, the east Cameltown would have gone to the play gone to the administrators and say what is the interpretation of this rule and i'm sure they would have said yes juniors and if that's what's happened then yes, it's just making the Group 6 administrators look crazy. It makes them look stupid, because East Campbelltown would have been thinking that they would have been doing the right thing, but at the end of the day, when you go around, turn halfway, and making an about-face halfway through the season, it's almost like there's pressure on someone else. They are probably playing too good, and all the rest of the clubs were complaining, so that, they were that trying was, to find a way the, to yeah, get them
0: that out. That was one of the theories that was being floated at the time, was that because East Campbelltown were playing so well, that a lot of these other country clubs were blowing up. i don't know how much truth there was to that rumour, but that was certainly something that got a lot of legs at the time. Well, it, it, it must be one of the
1: reasons, and usually, yeah, a lot of backroom deals, and oh, if we've got to play that East Campbelltown side, it happens in all in all competitions, there's teams that think they're hard done by because they've got to play against a harder team, and oh, if I don't go out there guaranteed to win, I don't want to play anymore, but even if they were you'd at least think that if they were going to change that ruling and make East Campbelltown abide by those rules. They'd at least give them till the end of the season mm-hmm. and say, "Look, guys, we've we we've, we've said this at the beginning of the season. It's not going down too well with the other members of the of the district. We're going to probably have to look into enforcing the rules a bit differently next season. So you might want to have to either try and recruit some Group Six juniors or change competitions next year. But for this year, we'll be nice and and let you sort of play out the end of the year under what you've been playing under But yeah, to go and change something like that to the actual registration and the and the point system being used halfway through when it
0: basically was agreed that they could do one thing at the beginning of the season. That's just a joke. Time is getting away from us here. Two very quick examples before we get into the last two of admin decisions that really do boggle the mind. Hockey New South Wales, and I'm not talking ice hockey, I'm talking field hockey here. Um, My mother, my sister are very, very prominent in terms of field hockey and the the way New South, or Hockey New South Wales, has administered the women's comp Competition by using people who have administered the men's competition. When you're talking men's and women's field hockey, you're almost talking about the difference between women's soccer and men's rugby league. That's how big the difference is. And the ARU, with their national rugby championship, rather than just extending the shoot shield, you're getting 20,000 people in North Sydney. Why not just extend the shoot shield rather than trying to create these organisations from nothing? But Mizy, one that we always love to come back to. And th- this has been about for quite some time is the, the possibility of charging community radio stations broadcasting rights fees for competitions where the administrators don't like the fact that those competitions are getting airtime, and one of which is our old favourite, and that person I mentioned before, who's employed by the New South Wales Rugby League, deciding that maybe Ron Massey Cup needed broadcast fees. Just because he has a, a green cap in his cupboard means he
1: knows everything about oh. Rugby League. But, again, it's supply and demand. Wouldn't you want people to be giving these competitions coverage? Just because you come from a competition where – Due to the, the, the length and the breadth of the competition, it is hard to give them radio coverage. We certainly attempt to at Triple H through our T20 calls, but in rugby league with the, the two-hour sort of time slot to call one game, or if you're lucky enough like us, we get, we get four hours to cover two on a Sunday afternoon. It's a perfect... Sports time slot for people who enjoy the game and to to be able to tune in and and for fans of clubs that can't make it to the grounds they can hear some guys that that are wanting to 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 make a name for themselves or do it as a hobby or whatever they want to do and, and call some rugby league it, to be able to wanting to charge broadcast rights to community stations that are run on even even more of an oily rag smell of an oily rag than the than the clubs that they're calling are called on it's just absolutely ridiculous it's just to try and a money grab to try and justify why they're there. No one else is putting their hands up to call it. They're paying the likes of Channel 9 and Fox Sports to, to to televise their Canterbury Cup competitions. Here's a bunch of people that are wanting to do it for free and put it out there and say, look, guys, here, build your following. Here, if, if you can't get out to Story Park or Lionel Watts Reserve or wherever you want to go this this weekend... Triple H is calling this game or Steel Sports or Hawkesbury Radio are out there calling it. Tune in and you can hear with the wonders of the internet, you can hear them from when, wherever you are, around the world even. So to, to want to deny these people because you don't understand, you don't like them because of maybe the way that they treat you because of the naivety that you're showing towards them and the way you're treating them, I just don't understand. I think with these competitions, you don't even give them the time of day half the time. Why not let other people People that want to do it for free do that and just put out a couple of free tweets, a f- couple of free Facebook posts and maybe somewhere on your, f- on your website where people can find out where these
0: games are going to be called. Is that so much to ask? The Australian Ice Hockey League had exactly the same problem last season under a different administration. There's a new administration in there this season and that's why we're looking forward to our outside broadcasts with our new sponsors, the Sydney Bears. But oh, the I've got my Mighty Ch- Ducks jersey ready to go. Quack quack, oh hang on, you're all offside but that that was the problem that we had last season was the administration didn't want radio coverage of the sport because they thought an online stream that never got advertised was the way to go such was the naivety but if I start on that, I'm going to be here for the rest of the night and I know that Noddy with his Aussie music weekly is coming up on Triple H So Measy I think that's where we have to leave it and I must say, you've been very well behaved this second half.
1: Well I think the penny's finally dropped, I've got to be nice to you to make sure I get to finally host my own edition of Splinter's one day in the future.
0: Well, that that's something well, that's something to talk about because there's a lot of ground to be made up until that happens, but I will thank you for being nicer in this second half, and hopefully we'll be able to engage a bit more on the bench on Friday night, whinging a bit more about people that make our life difficult.
1: Well, at least we get to return us on normality. I'll
0: be back behind the panel on Friday night, giving the people what they want. Well, don't know whether it'll be what the people want, given the outstanding show we had last week, but certainly you'll be back behind the panel at least on Friday night. Oh, thank you Newsy- We'll see you on Friday night on the bench. And I'll be back on the bench on Friday night as well. Hopefully we're going to have the Hornsby Lions rugby union team coming in courtesy of the spicy Torito Dom Rizzuto. He's talking to them as we speak about making an appearance. But that is going to be fantastic if they can come in. And then next week we'll be talking rugby union again, the shoot shield coming up, and we'll have a big preview for that. But for now, it's goodbye from Splinters.